Hello! This is Talk Breed, a podcast from the House of Bridget Dublin community. And if you didn't listen to our last podcast, House of Bridget invites recent college graduates to live as an intentional lay community for one year, dedicating themselves to the service of the Irish Catholic Church and to spiritual and personal formation. So House of Bridget Dublin works in the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason here in Dublin, St. Stephen's Green, mm-hmm. and uh, we work at Newman University Church, and that's who we are. Today, we have a really exciting podcast for you guys. We interviewed our colleague, director. Sure, our director. Our director. Father Bill Daly to talk about Newman, uh, Cardinal Newman's relationship to Dublin and what he was doing here. Uh, and so it's it's a really good interview. You guys should stick around and listen to it. Um, but we're also going to introduce ourselves now. Um, so to the right of me is Shane Jenkins. Hello. Do tell. As you can see at home. Maddie, describe my figure to them. <laughs> He's wearing a green sweater. Thank you. Yeah. He's got glasses. Does that paint the picture nicely? He's got glasses and a green sweater. Go on, go on. So Shane was born on a lovely day in November 1995. That's correct, yes. 1995. Um, He is from Denver, Colorado. He studied books at Notre Dame. Essentially. Not... Wow. That, that sounds really diminutive, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's the program of liberal studies. It's a really good good program, but that's what he, he studied at Notre Dame. And it was at Notre Dame that he became very passionate about sustainable peanut farming. It's true. And so if... I can tell you all about George Washington Carver any day. <laughs> and so if you have any questions about sustainable peanut farming, farming you can um, email Shane or call his cell phone. <laughs> Am I being doxxed at the moment? Oh, wow. (laughs) Please don't. I'll give you his number after the podcast. Right, yeah, you have to call Maddie directly. You can wait till the end to get his phone. Yes, you have to listen to the whole episode. Anyways, thank you, Maddie. You're welcome. Uh, to my to my right is Catherine Dunn. Uh, she's now here for her second year of House of Bridget. She originally started in the Wexford community, but has moved up to the Dublin community with us for her final year. She's from Modesto, California originally, and went to St. Mary's College, which is a, the sister school of Notre Dame. And little little do people know, um, she actually was House of Bridget's first former Olympian to join the team. Um, <laughs> truly, yeah, she worked in the biathlon, though <laughs> due to a, a, a freak yoga accident at the end of her career in college, she wasn't able to continue. Which is why she found House of Bridget, actually. Um, and so it's great to have a former Olympian on the team. Um, she's happy to t- sign sign anything you have for her, you know, take photos. But yeah, okay. Catherine. Uh, Catherine, can you, can you t- explain to us what a biathlon is? Oh, I was actually just going to talk about, thank you for not mentioning my gold medal. I tried to be humble about it and not talk about it a lot. But I did, in fact, win a gold medal. Well. Okay. I don't want to talk about what a biathlon is. <laughs> Just Google it. Okay. Please, do not. <laughs> okay, and to my right, I guess, we're sitting across You're from sitting each other. sitting in a circle, yeah. Yeah, we're sitting in a circle, so <laughs> this is real, is Maddie Madison. Yes. Madison Maddie Loft. Loft. <laughs> my middle name is Maddie, You're right? <laughs> yes. Um, she's originally from... Savannah, Georgia, and she grew up only eating peaches. She went to an all-girls high school, which, solidarity, because I went to an all-girls college, so mm-hmm. we know what's up. 
Yep, yeah. we've all been there. Um, she was in folk choir at the University of Notre Dame, where she graduated from in May of 2019, the year of our Lord. Um, and when she was 12, <laughs> I can't even get it out because it's just so cool. When she was 12, she was a guest star on Dancing with the Stars. I was. Yeah, and usually yeah. they don't allow youths on there. But right. she was a guest star, did the cha-cha But it was slide. really good, except I broke my ankle during the performance and was eliminated immediately. Mm. <laughs> they had never done By that before. Uh, <laughs> it's just immediately. So, <laughs> There's no voting. <laughs> we got no. to the judges and they, mm. they just told me to leave. Wow, very good to try. so funny. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. okay, here is Father Bill Daly to tell you about John Henry Newman's time in Dublin. Hello. Hi. Father Bill, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello there. I'm Father Bill Daly of the <laughs> Congregation of Holy Cross priest working for the University of Notre Dame here in Dublin as the director of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason at Newman University Church on St. Stephen's Green. All right. Yeah, we figured we would bring you in today to talk a little bit about Cardinal Newman uh, leading up to his canonization. And today we wanted to focus on his relationship with Dublin and um, where what he was doing here. And um, so... If you could start uh, with kind of talking about how Newman ended up in Dublin. Okay. Big things going on in Newman's life shortly after his conversion to the Catholic faith and his ordination to the Catholic priesthood in Rome. He was, um, shortly after he was ordained, he, around the time at least of his ordination, he had decided, uh, having pondered whether he might want to become a Dominican, a member of the Dominican order, or a Jesuit, or maybe even a Benedictine, he decided not to go the route of any religious community as such, but something that stands canonically sort of in between being a diocesan priest and being a religious, which is a member of the Oratory. There is a congregation of the Oratory uh, in Rome. It was founded by St. Philip Neri in the Chiesa Nuova, where we'll be visiting on our pilgrimage soon with our Notre Dame Newman Center pilgrims for the canonization. And he was setting up an oratory both of which still exist in Birmingham, and uh, the second oratory was in London, which became now a very famous Brompton Oratory. And as he had those activities going on, the Holy See asked the bishops of Ireland if they would erect a Catholic university in Ireland. So Catholic emancipation was occurring on these islands, as we say here, and um, both in England, and the UK, and in Ireland, um, it was an ongoing and an unfolding process. And so there were political rights coming back to Catholics, the rights to hold office and so forth. So there was no Catholic university as such on these islands. And so the idea was build one in Ireland and it would be for Catholics in Scotland, Catholics in England and Catholics in Ireland. And uh, Cardinal Newman had gotten to know Pope Pius IX, who was Pope at the time, and other important figures in Rome. He was well known as uh, a, an intellectual leader within Anglicanism and really a point of pride for the church that somebody who was such a leader and who was renowned for his theological acumen chose to become Catholic. And he also had impressed these folks personally in Rome. And so um, his name emerged as the likely person for the Archbishop, for, for the bishops of Ireland, led by Archbishop Cullen, then in Armagh. He was eventually translated to Dublin 
but um, he, he initially reached out to Cardinal Newman in England and Cardinal Newman, uh, though he had a lot on his plate, couldn't resist the chance to build uh, a Catholic university here in Dublin. Wow. Yeah. And when you say build, because we always say a lot around here, John Henry Newman built this church, how much right. say did he have in the architecture? I, I don't think he ever had... Do you, I, I don't he, he never wore a tool belt. Yeah, to my own. <laughs> he was putting mosaic up. He, um, he raised the money, some of the mm-hmm. money he contributed himself, mm-hmm. um, and he worked very closely with an architect colleague of his, someone whom he had appointed to the faculty. So there are two kinds of building going on. There's the metaphorical building of a university, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was going on uh, from the time he arrived. Then once it was decided that for his purposes of both liturgy and official university events, no local church was going to suffice. He had contacted local priests to see whether a nearby church might suffice to be the chapel, as it were, for his university, but he didn't find a lot of cooperation or support from the Dublin clergy, and so he decided he would build his own here on this garden where we now sit. And John Hungerford Pollen was a friend of his who had been a part of the Oxford movement, the so-called Tractarian movement, um, as a faculty member and an Anglican cleric at Oxford, also converted to Catholicism and so lost his position at, at Oxford, was appointed to the faculty of this new university. And Newman worked with him on the physical design uh, of the church and, and John Hungerford Pollen oversaw the execution of the church. But I'd say most of the major elements of the decor, including the decision not to have um, a, a, a neo-Gothic church. Newman was not a fan of neo-Gothic and felt that for a variety of reasons he wanted something more in a kind of Byzantine-Roman style. Um, and so that's what we have, especially patterned after the Basilica of St. Clement uh, near the Colosseum in, in Rome. And, and our apse takes many of its themes. Well, not exclusively, there are other inspirations that Pollen worked from in painting and decorating the apse. Fair enough. I would say, though, um, or can I ask, even though he didn't have um, so much of a concrete involvement with building the university, he certainly had uh, a structural vision, did he not, in terms of defining what would be uh, a uniquely Catholic university? Is that fair to say? Or in tying that at all to his... Sure. I mean, uh, for for Newman, as for anyone, I mean, some of these categories are contested, Mm -hmm. but not very coherently today. Um, Any university has to have some sort of mission around which it's organized. And if the mission for every university is the pursuit of knowledge and the truth, and you're committed to the Catholic faith as the fullness of truth, then your presumption is going to be that if you have a university and it doesn't include theology, let's say, you're denying your students the academic pursuit of something that you think is the most important thing uh, for those who believe that it's true and that it's a part of human knowledge. And certainly Newman believed those things. So for him, no university could be the same. It would be like saying, well, we're going to have a university, but there'll be no science taught there. Well, maybe what you have is an interesting school to study literature or whatever, but a university which wants to pursue the fullness of truth certainly is going to include the sciences. Newman's university was going to include the sciences. And the sciences were going to be the sciences as such, because his, his attitude, which would be a, a normal and I'd say normative Catholic attitude, is that uh, we have confidence in reason So we don't need um, special revelation or someone in Rome to say this is how science is going to be conducted. This is how cardiology is going to be taught in the medical school. There isn't as such Catholic cardiology. And Newman believed in that small L liberal principle of education that the non-theological disciplines would have their proper integrity, but there would also be theology 
uh, taught in the university as theology itself is a dimension of human knowing. Yeah. Certainly. And, and these ideas would have been outlined in his, uh, or at least somewhat in his idea of the university, which was given right. in, in lecture form in so, our church. Is that correct? Uh, some of the later lectures in it were okay. given in our church, I believe. The early lectures were given before the university opened. So the university proper opened in 1854. Mm -hmm. Our church opened in 1856. The lectures mm -hmm. that make up the bulk of the first part of the book, uh, and the bulk of the book really, um, were six, I believe. And they were delivered at the Rotunda here in Dublin. Uh, okay, interesting. Between 1852 and 1854. All right, thank you. Yeah. Can you speak to like American Newman Centers? Because I feel like a lot of my mm -hmm. American friends who hear about this is where I'm working, they go, yeah. oh, so it's just like a Newman Center, you know, the Catholic Center at my college. And how did those, how did, how did those relate and how right. did that become a thing? Uh, to be honest with you, I've never looked into the history of Newman Centers that are yeah. not our own because I've never worked at one. My under Newman Centers in the United States are centers um, that I believe, you can check on the spelling for me there, Shane, if you've got your <laughs> Google open. I think they are after the legacy of John Henry Newman. Of course, mm -hmm. there is St. John Neumann from Pennsylvania, and sometimes people yeah. ask me about that, but I don't think they're Neumann centers. I think they're mm -hmm. Newman centers. <laughs> and they are chaplaincies, really, resource centers, often communal gathering places mm -hmm. for the Catholics at secular universities. So mm -hmm. there's a very strong Newman center at Purdue University, not far mm -hmm. from Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't need a Newman Center, despite what its uh, harsher critics would say. It's a Catholic <laughs> university. So our Notre Dame Newman Center is a center of the University of Notre Dame, really for the public, the Church of Dublin. Um, it's, it's a work of Notre Dame, uh, to use the Latin phrase, ad extra, for, the, for outside of the church, for outside of the university. Um, so it only is a Newman Center in common with those other Newman centers in that we are both centers that have Newman in their name. But we're not dedicated primarily to a chaplaincy for college yeah. students at a secular university. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So does that mean because our John Henry Newman's becoming a saint, is this whole place a, a relic of some sort now? Do we work? I'm not, I'm not an expert on what constitutes relics. <laughs> I don't think either. we think of places as relics. We think more I mean, of bits of order of bits of bone or hair. Here, yeah. He was, so it means that we work in a place where a saint lived. And, yeah, that's pretty um, cool. I think you can. I, I honestly think you can feel it in the church, and mm. I think it's been increasingly so. Call me corny, but I also have felt that way when I visited St. Andre's um, Oratory of St. Joseph in Montreal, and when I visited the whole city of Assisi, where the great yeah. uh, Francis and Claire were. You just walk in that city, and you have this sense of sanctity, that it's an aura of, of an influence that um, remains palpable. It's definitely true. And not a lot of people get to work in a place where a, a saint was, and mm -hmm. we're here when he's becoming a saint, and we get to yeah. go watch that happen mm -hmm. in Rome, so that's pretty... That's yeah. right, that's and still special. you sit here watching all these YouTube videos. Uh, no. Brings some <laughs> Catholic guilt to you. Here's the educational YouTube videos. All right. work. Um, would you say that that legacy, though, pervades the, the church in this location at all? Because I feel oftentimes people in Dublin don't realize that such a momentous event is in a way happening. Um, has, does his legacy at Well, all both things are true. The, the, it is true that some people in Dublin aren't very aware of the church mm -hmm. or aware of it in particular at all. But many hold it very dear. Mm -hmm. um, the, we, we had, as you'll recall, this kind of um, gothic horror movie was made last year by the mm -hmm. well-known Irish filmmaker Neil Jordan. Mm -hmm. Neil Jordan's a graduate of UCD, and when he went to UCD, this church was still 
uh, used for UCD functions, and he would have um, graduated, I think, before certainly before the move was complete, out to Belfield. And so he regards this as the most beautiful building in Dublin, and he wanted to film a scene from his movie here. And many people, as you would know, Shane, having been around the church the longest of the three mm-hmm. esteemed podcast hosts here, <laughs> uh, many people come back to this church and, uh, on a weekday or a Sunday and, and greet us after Mass and say, we were married here 44 years ago, we were married here oh, 32 years ago, yeah. and so and forth. Then, an 92-year-old came to the church the other day. So we've been uh, very much a place of weddings and baptisms for people especially but not exclusively associated with UCD and for them the church does retain a great deal of importance and it was in a sense a kind of society church um, uh, and still is partly a reason that we're an attractive place to have weddings now as you know is there are luxury hotels nearby like the Shelburne where people like to have their (laughs) their wedding um, receptions and so so there is probably an element of class in terms of who knows that the church is here and so forth because it's it was erected as a territorial parish territorial parish in the early 1980s i believe um but there have never been a huge number of people living in its catchment area and and so mostly i think the people who have worshiped here are either those who work here on week on weekdays in the neighborhood and uh, you'd be well familiar with that now from our weekday mass crowd. And then on Sundays, people who have some other reason to affiliate with the church. So they were UCD grads and were fond of it and, and like coming into the city center and so forth. Uh, the bulk of our Sunday morning crowd do not seem to be, those, those some certainly are, do not seem to be people who are just local. Yeah. Okay, can we ask one more question? You may. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what is your favorite part about St. John Henry Newman? I think I have my favorite saints and reasons that they're my friends and my buds, but like, what hits you when you think of John Henry Newman? Um, you'll understand my answer better when you're my age. Okay. Um, John Henry Newman really was about my age when he was working here in Dublin, and he did not have the support of Cardinal Cullen, he did not have the support of the local clergy. He was having falling outs with his own friends, close friends, even back at the oratories that he was trying to get off the ground and get sorted in England because he couldn't be there as much. In the few years that he was associated with this church, he was back and forth like 53 times. And they didn't have Ryanair, right? So this was always <laughs> boat and ferry. And uh, it would have been a hard life. And he didn't have support from Rome always. He was told, for instance, that in order to strengthen his hand in dealing with the bishops of Ireland, he would be made a bishop by Pope Pius IX, who had told intermediaries of his that this was a great idea. But then Pope Pius IX was persuaded not to do it, and in the fashion of the church, didn't really think it was appropriate to share that news with John Henry Newman. (laughs) So he was operating um, unaware sometimes of the lack of support that he had, very aware of it at other times, and mostly failed at the big projects that he undertook and was asked to undertake, not because he wasn't capable, he was an extraordinarily capable man, but because um, in each of the cases, as you look at the details, other people who had asked these things of him really weren't willing to go all the way with him. Um, and he was, he was singular in his devotion to the vision that he felt that he had from God, and he had a lot of integrity about that. Doesn't mean he was always right. But um, uh, he wasn't primarily concerned to make friends and 
advance either in the hierarchy or so forth. This probably held some of his projects back because he wasn't particularly political. And, and yet, his, his sanctity was not in doubt. And now for him to be canonized as a person who didn't succeed at the big things he was asked is a great model for us, that we're not called to succeed at the things that are placed before us. We're asked to do them and to trust in providence. And so many things have flowered forth from UCD. It's, it's the biggest university in Ireland. It isn't the Catholic University of Ireland. And in many ways, it's, it's not what one would want it to be from the point of view of wanting it to be a Catholic university. But um, it's a great legacy. Uh, this church is a great legacy, and so many marvelous things have happened here. Even though they're not what people predicted or what people wanted, they are what God has managed to make out of a situation where human factions and frailty uh, didn't work to create the thing that people had had in mind. So um, that fact that um, his fidelity to his relationship with God remain steadfast even amidst many storms and a lack of cooperation and, and coldness in relationships, even with his own very family after his conversion, um, makes him a very special saint because um, I, I mentioned my age. I'm very happy with what uh, where I am in life, but um, I'm part of a large institution. I don't always see that institution as anyone working at a large institution behaving exactly as I would have it behave. I don't know what I'll be doing for it five years from now. And working in this place where John Henry Newman is has helped me spiritually to be less worried about all of that um, because his own example is one of great sanctity irrespective of worldly turmoil. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Reminded of so uh, one of the few um, sermons that you shared of his where he compares that journey you're describing to those of the prophets and anyone else in the Bible who had high hopes like he described, but is only met with, uh, as he puts it, disappointment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a non-positive gain, you know, it's just the the path of all people in a way is broken and not perfect, so so thank you. Um, we do have one other surprise for you. Uh, we wanted to know if Cardinal Newman, in your opinion, would condone such a, a, a piece of art as we've commissioned. Well, should we just... We, oh, should we describe we it to the crowd as well? Yeah. Oh, well? It's already up on the screen. The answer is no. <laughs> so what we made the other day was yes. a picture of John Henry Newman, and we imposed it onto a cardinal, a red cardinal That's right. bird. That's right, head, yes. Yes, because he was... He's a well, I, I, I will revise my opinion to this extent. <laughs> okay. um, he was not a humorless man, and indeed part of his decision to join the congregation of the Oratory was his admiration for the good humor, especially amidst the pomposity of clerical types um, in Rome that St. Philip Neri was known for. So I would commend to your millions of listeners around the world if you want to look at a biography um, or biographical sketch that you can find, I'm sure, online at www.whatever for, for <laughs> Philip Neri. Uh, go Googling Philip Neri uh, and find out the many ways in which his good humor was part and parcel of his sanctity, and you'll learn a bit more then about Cardinal Newman as well. Yeah. Great. Um, I think if they would have had Photoshop, they would have thought yeah. this was a little bit. <laughs> I think so, Just a little At bit. least a little bit. Well, thank you for coming yeah. on, Father Bill. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right, so I think that was a really great interview. I don't know about you guys. It was great to have him in here. Yeah, it was, into our little podcast studio here yeah. at the Newman Center. <laughs> a little, like, hidey hole. <laughs> it's yeah. a tiny little room. But... Yeah, I didn't know a ton about um, Cardinal Newman when I came to work here, and so I really appreciated just getting 
all of that information about his time in Dublin because I, I guess I wasn't super sure what his you know relationship was with the city in general. I mean, I knew he had started this church, and I actually didn't know he had started UCD um, until pretty recently. So I'm just really grateful that I get to work here and be here at such a cool time, especially when he's being canonized. Mm-hmm. It's once in a lifetime, really. It really is. Yeah, yeah certainly. I think... What touched me a lot, too, is what he mentioned at the end about um, how even though he only came to Dublin for a short time, a period of it's like four to six years to try and guide this very small, like, fledgling of a university, um, the impact extended beyond his time here, if you know what I mean. Like you yeah. said, with it sort of converting over time into UCD, um, and as you mentioned, this legacy of Newman's involvement with universities extending into the U.S. and around the world, um, yeah. it, it is pretty amazing to see that though he didn't see the fruits of his labor then, they still did extend beyond his lifetime, you know? Yeah. And he's just another saint among many, many saints who you read about their lives and you see them and you kind of look at them in retrospective and you're like, oh, they had it all figured out. They did this and then this and then that. And then when you're sitting here with your life, you're like, well, (laughs) why don't I know? It's like, well, they didn't know either. It Mm -hmm. it takes a lifetime to become a saint. And yeah, that was just a great example again of yeah god works on you every day every year yeah thank you for illustrating that maddie um moving on though uh would you like to talk about some of the events hasbro's been doing this week yeah would you like to talk about that well some (laughs) of our community events intentional community events really because we spend a lot of time together but (laughs) there's a difference between spending time and spending intentional time um, we had some great meals this week, if I we do say so myself. <laughs> Maddie, you made tacos. I did. Mm-hmm. Made some guac. Mm-hmm. Guacamole, that was... Mm-hmm. And Catherine made cinnamon rolls cinnamon that were to die for. I'm going to roll on out of here. For... Yeah. yeah. I went through a Pinterest black hole, is what I called it, <sighs> and then I decided I needed to make cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went to the store twice in one evening yeah which was impressive yeah yeah i needed that cream cheese cream cheese frosting (laughs) it Um, was so good and then we had a a community outing which isn't an official thing that you have to do on house of bridget yeah kind of we're like required to do meetings and meals and prayer but we did an outing and we went to drum roll the one and only ikea (laughs) (laughs) where we walked around for hours and hours it's an experience. It's like, what would you what would you compare it to? Like Disneyland for adults that are shopping? Yeah, like a consumer Disneyland because yeah. they're just wanting to buy things. Yep, yep. We sat on a lot of couches. Yo, we, we needed it, yeah. We, it was like a six, seven we, hour journey there and yeah, back total. Because we had to get on the bus and go to Ikea. This was my first trip to Ikea ever. Mm-hmm. I've never even been to Ikea in the U.S., mm. so... That was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. And it, you arrived Thursday. I did. So, you know, you're like just not a person. Yeah, you've been there for less so than a tired. week. <laughs> and then we went on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All or nothing. That's right. And then we watched the Notre Dame game that night. In we did. In New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was fun. It was, yeah. And then some other, another thing, we had prayer, um, community prayer. Mm-hmm. Last week, Shane led and we did prayer on our new community rug um so we did some meditation that shane led and then we also did community prayer today that maddie led and we just 
We didn't just. We prayed the rosary. <laughs> we did. And I think it was... I loved that. Yeah. It's been a long time for me. The rosary's so yeah. underrated. I agree. It's so good. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for for doing that with, oh. with me, guys. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Anytime you want to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched... Dairy Girls with Breakfast. Oh, yeah. That was great. We decided our community show is Dairy Girls. Until we finish the series. Until we finish <laughs> it. That's right. And Which they're only two seasons. so wonderful, though. And then so we're going to move on to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Perhaps, yes. yeah. We've had a couple in mind. Yeah. yeah. Or, was or there Fargo. Another show? Was oh, Fargo was mm-hmm. on yeah, the table. Yeah, we talked about Barry. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Maybe Father Ted, if she hasn't seen it. But oh. I haven't seen Father Ted. We watched a little bits of it here and there. Yeah. yeah. If any of you have recommendations for our next community show, because Dairy Girls only has two seasons, <laughs> which is disappointing, but it's a new you show. You can tweet us yeah. at House of Bridget. Yes, mm-hmm. at House of Bridget. <laughs> That's our Twitter, right? That's our Twitter. <laughs> um, and otherwise, though, um, and some of the work that we've been doing here at the Newman Center with our Vocare Choir in the evening, we're preparing to do a rather complex choral piece for the ma- first mass we'll have back here after the canonization which we'll have uh, the archbishop visiting as well to preside the the piece is sing unto god which i believe is by is a it's a bach translation is it not i don't know i thought it, it was mm, i don't want to say well, it, anyways say it's from Ju- uh, judas maccabeus but um it, for those who don't know sing unto god is full of all of these like runs done by every single part so we, we found ourselves humming to ourselves or dooting do- like to ourselves what the pieces are like it's very complex yeah uh Catherine, would you give us an alto line demonstration um oh handel i'm sorry not not Bach, but anyways um Either way, that's been really interesting, especially for me, having had no prior experience before House of Bridget of being in a choir. It's so challenging to have gone from that to this, but also really yeah. rewarding. Like, the, the group we're around is fun. Um, it's yeah. cool to kind of find your voice, you know, yeah. quite literally. Yeah. Um, and I think Sing Unto God is definitely a harder piece, but we're preparing yes. it because we have a big mass coming up on the 20th of October mm-hmm. yeah. at 6.15 um, to celebrate John Henry Newman's canonization that's right yeah, yeah. So that's why we're, bring, we're pulling out all the stops for this all guy. the stops yeah. for the archbishop is coming and important people yeah we got a string quartet playing with yeah. us that's correct. which is going to yeah. be really great and then afterwards there's going to be a talk shane you've been working on that poster that's right we've, we've just had a lot of posters to get done this <laughs> week but one one of the the posters i've been working on is for professor declan kybert who he's worked for notre dame in the past he's been in the english department for a couple of years now but he's going to do a speech. He's from Ireland. He's going to do a speech for us on why Newman is a, a saint for today, like at today's time, someone who's still relatable to this uh, this experience of, of life now. Um, yeah. And that should be pretty cool. Professor Kyber is someone that I personally had and I found him fascinating. And that's uh, going to be after that Mass on the 20th at around 7 30 p.m. Yeah, and another fun thing we did last week is we went to Wexford to That's our right. other we community. We did. I forgot about we that. We surprised no, Andrew for his birthday a day late, <laughs> so that was pretty fun. And it was fun to catch up with them. They're getting the ball rolling at School Mora and Kennedy Park and starting folk choir and vigil choir and all the things they have going down in Clenard. So yeah. that was exciting. That's a mm-hmm. nice little town. Um I enjoyed going there. It was your second time there, right? Yes, because yeah. I went on folk choir tour in 2016. But yeah, this was kind of the first time I've just kind of been able to hang out and see mm-hmm. the see the town. And then yeah. Catherine's friend from last year picked yeah, us up on the way. Yeah, it was so yeah. fun. I mean, it's like so many memories came flooding back being in that in Wexford town. 
but we were walking to the train station. It was probably two miles, two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. And halfway there, I saw someone, Mary Roach, shout out. <laughs> she was driving the other way, but she saw me and she waved and then she turned around and she picked us up and Aww. drove us to the train station. And it was just so fun. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you don't get that in Dublin. No. People are not picking you up to give you a lift home. It's all cab drivers, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was, that was sweet. And... I'm going back for spiritual direction this weekend, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to yeah. be back in Wexford. Um, can I ask as well, Maddie, um, about some of the events that we've been doing here in the local community? Like, I know yeah. you and I the other day went to an event called Night Fever in Dublin. Would you tell yeah. us about our experience of that? Yeah, Shane um, invited me to this event. Um, that happens, I guess, like every three months, is it? Yeah. That's about right, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know what to expect, and it was, like, right after we'd gotten back from Wexford, and I was exhausted, and Shane was like, I'm gonna leave around 9.30, and I was like, that's so late, um, I don't (laughs) know if I can, I don't know, I don't know if I can do two hours, and then, you know, come home, um, and I, I, like, didn't know what to expect, but I pulled myself out of the house, and, um, decided to go, and I'm so glad I did, um, and it's really cool because um, you, like, get there um, and there are lots of, like, young Irish people standing out on the street just handing out candles to people and inviting them to come pray in the church and just have, like, a moment of, um, like, quiet and solitude. And um, we walked into the church. We got our tea candles and um, walked in and there was adoration going on. There was confession. Um, there was some someone you know playing guitar up in the choir loft um the whole time just reflective music and uh it was like kind of exactly what i needed um and was very just like life-giving and so good to see i don't know so many young people who care that much about their faith um in one place and putting on this really like awesome event um and i also just really enjoy going to adoration and confession and um don't really get to do that too much um like it was it was really great Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it i was going to say thanks for coming uh it was a pretty cool event it's something that's been going on i think technically since like world youth day was in cologne and it slowly spread around to various locations where people put this on but like you said it's it's cool to see people there entirely on a voluntary basis and yet they're doing something that's really difficult in a way which is trying to get people that first step that first interaction right. with something spiritual and particularly catholic for yeah. uh, in a place that they wouldn't normally do it on a saturday night you know but yeah. people and are happy to come in now and again yeah and i was actually really surprised at how many people mm-hmm. came in off the street to come mm-hmm. pray over um, 300 yeah yeah and they said that was a slow night right mm-hmm. they said that was a smaller we've had over a thousand crowd. sometimes yeah and that's incredible because i was just thinking about it like from my perspective it's like if someone approaches me on the street i'm like no, I'm not interested. I'm not signing anything. You know, right, I, right. I don't want to buy anything. Um, and so I just thought it was like really lovely how people, you know, um, were, yeah, just so open to hearing these young people and like what they had to say and coming into the church. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really looking forward to the next one. Okay. Yeah. I think that's been most of what we've been doing, right? Anything else? Yeah, happen? I think that's a good yeah. just wrap up of what Chuck Breed does in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we're like, what do you do? And I don't know <laughs> what to say, but I could think of a lot more things we've done and yeah. that we've been working on. And yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun life. We live a good life. <laughs> we do. 
So I have a little meditation and devotion from soon to be St. John Henry Newman. So I thought I could read that to end and then, yeah, we'll be on our way. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Stay with me and then I shall begin to shine as you shine. So to shine as to be a light to others. The light, Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. No merit to me. It will be you who shine through me upon others. Let me thus praise you in the way which you do love me best, by shining on all those around me. Give light to them as well to me. Light them with me through me. Teach me to show forth your praise, your truth, your wealth. Make me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example and by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do by my visible resemblance to your saints and the evident fullness of the love which my heart bears to you. Blessed John Henry Newman, pray Pray for for us. us. St. Bridget, pray pray for for us. us. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Yeah, have a good week. Let the house in disarray Like a tethered dog left to wonder when Its owners will return Perhaps the bank possessed all the house it had to heal them. All the arguments over unpaid rents are nothing left. Talk Breed is a podcast from the House of Bridget Dublin community. Our intro and outro music is by Greg Atkinson. It's called Rosedale Daydream, and our cover art was made by Shane Jenkins.